Good morning, Woodland Hills. So the Lord said to John, come forth and you will receive eternal life. Unfortunately, he came fifth and got a toaster. <laughs> I thought, okay, it's the end of... <laughs> so you're just getting that. I, I, I never open with jokes. A lot of preachers do. And I thought, we're going into a new year, and so I want to do something totally random, totally new. So I, I, I got that one from my granddaughter on Christmas, and I thought it was, it's, it's worth repeating. It's worth repeating. Okay. So this morning, this last Sunday of 2018, um, it's, uh, the time between Christmas and the New Year's is traditionally a time of, of reflection on the year that was and anticipating the year that will be. So I thought it would be good to uh, ask three questions. Uh, look back on 2018 and ask the question, what are you supposed to retain? Uh, retain and renew. Where, where did God show up in 2018? What things worked for you? What disciplines worked for you? Um, and then they ask the questions, what things, as you look back on 2018, what, what things are supposed to go? What don't you want to carry into 2019? And thirdly, what are you supposed to add? What new thing uh, or new things are you supposed to be doing? Maybe new disciplines and things of that sort. So those are the three questions that we're going to be uh, addressing. Now, I'll warn you, I was in a little bit of a reflective, philosophical mood this week. And so we're going to start with a kind of a, a little philosophy and science lesson. Um, so the, I will give my official nerd alert, all right, that the first part of this message is going to be a little on the geeky side, but hang in there and follow me, and I think you'll find it interesting and worthwhile. I hope so. Um, and I'll, this is also one of those messages I give once in a while where I can guarantee you that you won't have a clue where I'm going until we get there. And so I just say that so that you can not be wondering, where is he going with this? Because that's going to take a brain space that you're going to need to follow this geek stuff, all right? So, so, so let, let, let that one go. Uh, I, I want to start by, with a quote from uh, my favorite ancient Greek philosopher. On the whole, I don't care for these guys, but this, this, this guy I like, his name's Heraclitus. He said this, no one steps twice in the same river. Five century BC. No one steps twice in the same river. Now, probably if you got that in a fortune cookie, you'd want your money back. But I, I, I think in 10 minutes or so, if you're tuning into this, you'll see that that was a profound, profound statement. It gets to the very nature of reality, which is what we're going to be talking about here. So let that statement percolate in your brain. No one steps in the, in the same river twice. Um, and now let's look at a giant bird. Well, it's not actually a giant bird. It's a, it's a flock of birds. These are starlings. Starlings, and they're found throughout Europe. And they just have a way of taking on different shapes. Here's that same bird a moment later. It's morphed. It's shape-shifting. And then, then the bird stops to drink some water. And they, they, so it, this is called murmuration. I, there's actually a word for this. These starlings can be flying. There's thousands and thousands of them. And they simultaneously shape-shift. And, and it, it's a fascinating thing. So they, they, they act like and they sometimes look like one thing, even though there's thousands of them. Let's look at a couple more. Uh, yeah, look at, here's a whale in the sky. And then we've got, I'd say that's a dolphin of some sort. It looks like a dolphin. Flipper. Uh, here's the you know, infinity sign. It's gorgeous. Infinity. And then we're being attacked by UFOs. 
And this was, I think, a tadpole or, uh, yeah, turning into a frog maybe, something like that. I'm talking about the, the thing in the sky, not the guy taking the picture. We're having a tornado. This is a birdado. Birdado. So they, they, they take on these random shapes. Um, and scientists really don't understand exactly uh, how they know when and where to, 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 to turn. It's, 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 it's quite random. They don't know the, about the variables. Why to go this way rather than that way? And why, why now rather than later? We, we just don't know a lot about this. We don't understand quite how they are able to um, simultaneously they act like, like they, they have one mind. But they're, they're, they're flying along, thousands of them, and then instant, instantly, the one moment turned this way and then that way, and then they all together go this way, and it's just a, it's, a, it's an incredible dance. If you get, just Google murmuration. And, and there's some videos of this that are just fantastic. Some of them are set to music, and, and uh, it, it's just an incredible uh, phenomenon of, na- of nature. Some scientists uh, are arguing that there's parallels between the group behavior of these starlings when they're murmurating, if that's a verb, uh, there's a parallel between that and other aspects of nature. Uh, some note that, uh, that the behavior of quantum particles when they're magnetized functions something like these starlings. Others uh, argue that this is an illustration of a complex adaptive system pushed far from equilibrium. You can be grateful that I'm not going to go any further into those theories. But uh, um, it's just a, there's a connection there of some sort. I just this morning want to draw an analogy. Uh, though it's also based on physics. Uh, and and it's, it's this. We've learned in the last hundred years or so of, of uh, contemporary physics that, in, in a sense, all of reality is structured something like the group behavior of these starlings. Uh, it's, it's structured something like these murmurations. Um, because what we know is that every solid thing that exists, is, it's solid in, in, in a way that's similar to the shapes that we just saw with these starlings. There's... Um, we, what we know is that every solid thing that exists is actually, uh, it, it, it's a pattern that's comprised of, of perpetually moving parts, smaller parts, atoms and molecules and quantum particles. Everything that exists, people, UFOs, if they exist, the stand, me, you, this cup, the sun, the stars, they're all comprised of, of perpetually moving parts uh, but they move in such a way that a pattern is, is, is sustained. So take this cup, for example. This cup is actually a, a, a bustling sea of activity. Now, we can't see with the natural eye, of course. But in fact, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pattern that's held there. But in a, within that pattern, there's this, all these atoms and molecules and quantum particles. And the pattern of this cup obviously endures a lot longer than the patterns of the starlings. Because those endure for only a second or so. Um, but the pattern of this cup is not eternal. And though we can't see it with our naked eye, this cup is actually shifting all the time. It's shape-shifting in, in, in little, little tiny ways. Um, so in 10,000 years, this cup is probably not going to look the way the cup looks right now. It's in the process of disintegrating. Right now, it's quite integrated. The pattern holds together, but the pattern gradually falls apart. And uh, this is what's true for, for everything. I'm up here talking to you as a pattern comprised of, 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 of perpetually moving smaller parts, atoms, molecules, and subatomic particles. And, and the pattern is slowly changing. The me, the me now 
It's slightly different from the me yesterday. Now, you wouldn't have noticed the difference uh, uh, from day to day, but you probably have noticed over time I get better looking all the time. I don't know how that happens. It's just, I'm like these starlings. This is, I don't know. But so I'm changing. I'm certainly the me today is different than the, the me 10 years ago and 20 years ago. Uh, which, which if you're shape-shifting over a decade, that means that you're shape-shifting all the time in that decade. It's just that we don't notice it on a day-to-day basis, but you do notice it when you run into that high school person that you dated and, and you haven't seen him for 30 years, and it's like, in fact, you're both shocked at each other. <laughs> wow, you've shape-shifted. <laughs> but you don't say that, of course. You don't want to say that. You go, oh, you look great. You've grown in so many ways. And so, yeah, you just... Well, see, that just shows that we're, we're, we are always shape-shifting. There, there's, we're, we're, our, our solidity is something like the solidity of the shapes that these starlings have. Um, you could say that the starlings, uh, as they take on these shapes from one moment to the other, they're sort of a microcosm for all of reality. I told you we're getting a little philosophical here. They're a microcosm for all of reality. It's just that they do it at hyperspeed. The transform, transform, transformations that they have are, is just a fast version of what's going on all around us. So Heraclitus was right. Uh, no one twice steps in the same river. Uh, you step in the river, but by the time your second step is in the river, the water has flowed because the river is continually flowing water. And so you're stepping into different water and therefore a different river. Not only that, but the, the flowing of the water is gradually shifting the pattern that is that river. Uh, I, two years ago, my, I and my siblings went down to visit some of the places of our childhood, and we went to Grand Ledge, where I lived from the age of two to six, and uh, uh, we had a creek in our backyard. And I haven't been back there for 54 years, 56 years now, oh my goodness, I'm old. Uh, uh, and that, that, that river, uh, that little creek had changed remarkably. The, the bends were much more exaggerated. Because the water's constantly pushing on that, see? So it's gradually shape-shifting. If you had a time-lapse camera, you'd see this thing gradually, this sort of, it's like those starling birds. It's gradually changing. So you don't step in the same river twice. Heraclitus was right. But the real genius of Heraclitus was that uh, 2,400 years before science confirmed this perspective, uh, he understood, and I'm not quite sure how he got there, but that everything is a river. At least everything has a river-like quality to it. He taught that there's, in the physical world, the only constant is change. Everything's always changing. Everything has a river-like quality to it. Everything is in the process of shape-shifting. There's constant movement. So not only do you not twice step in the same river, you don't twice look at the exact same person in the mirror. You don't twice embrace the exact same spouse or look at your, 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 the exact same child. Uh, you don't twice gaze at the, 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 the same exact sun. No one, there are two moments where you're living in the exact same universe. Why? Because reality is a river. It's constantly flowing. It's constantly flowing. So every moment has got a newness to it. In fact, you, the only reason we can tell one moment from the other is that it's, there's something new. Something old has been let go, and there's something new. Moment to moment, uh, if two moments were exactly the same, they'd be the same moment. So time itself is, 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 is about newness, uh, always moving to something new, which means that there's always something that you're let, letting go. And this is why the questions that we're asking today are really anchored in the very structure of reality. Um, we're always in the process of renewing something. There, there's a pattern that carries over from the past. 
If that wasn't the case, you wouldn't know that you're the same person from one moment to the next. There's, there's mostly similarity that you carry over, but it's in a new context, so it's being renewed. And then there's something that's, that, 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 that we let go of because you're making space for the new. And there's something that is added on because otherwise it wouldn't be new. So we're asking these three questions here that's based in the very structure of reality, which means that these, things, these questions are extremely important. To live awake is to be asking these questions. Or at least to be living intentional means we're asking these questions because you're going to be transitioning in this way whether you do it or not. The question is, will you be aware of it? And, and will you be the one that is, are, is making the decisions about what to let go and what to add on and what is supposed to be renewed? Now, the way I, oh, and this, this is the end of my science and philosophy lesson. Thank you for listening very much. So here, here's the thing. In this physical world, given that it's fallen and all of that, this process of renewing and, and letting go and adding on uh, ultimately, it leads to death. Uh, it, it, it's, there's gains in the, in, in the short run, but in the long run, everything disintegrates. Sorry to tell you, but you are in the process of disintegration. Uh, you're, you're, if you're over 24, I'm told, uh, you'll be more disintegrated tomorrow than you are today. You start to break down at that, somewhere between 21 and 24. You're losing more cells than you're growing. So I'm in the process of, I'm up here talking to you, and I'm melting in the process. I'm disintegrating in the process. It's not fun, I'll tell you. But, uh, and, and this is how it will be for all, for all reality. Eventually, this stand won't be here. It's, it's going to disintegrate. Stage will disintegrate. You're going to disintegrate. I'm going to disintegrate. The sun's going to disintegrate. They say about another five billion years, and then it's gone. And that's how it will be for all the suns. And the universe will finally disintegrate into a uh, total state of equilibrium, and, uh, which means that it's a, they call it the heat death. It'll be virtual nothingness. Hallelujah! Yippee! Uh, it's, uh, if you are here and you believe that all there is is just the physical universe, your future is looking quite bleak. Uh, if this is the whole story, your future is looking quite bleak. Uh, and you've got good reason to be depressed. Uh, the good news is that there's a different way of looking at things where this is not the whole story. In fact, this is not even a fraction of the whole story. And the whole story is a very good story. I always found this idea that there was virtual nothingness and then all of a sudden there's an explosion, a microscopic, super condensed piece of matter exploded, and now we have everything, but then it will eventually come back to nothingness. So all of reality is a little hiccup between two eternal nothingnesses. That strikes me as I, I, the most intellectually unsatisfying, let alone existentially disturbing, view of the world you could possibly have. But Paul understood something differently, and I want us to look at this. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, we have this treasure in clay jars or earthen vessels, some translations have it. He's referring to his physical body. And then he talks about the hardships he's had to undergo in the process of uh, being as this missionary. But then he says in verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For the slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Paul was aware that, that his outer nature, his physical nature, his, this jar of clay body of his, was wasting away. Because everything physical is wasting away. It's just a matter of time. But Paul had the good fortune of having discovered that there's more to life than just the wasting away physical reality. He says he's got this treasure. Within this wasting away jar of clay body, uh, there was this treasure, and the treasure he knew was Jesus Christ. 
It's, the treasure was the eternal life that he has by virtue of knowing Jesus Christ. That is eternal life. Uh, he had this treasure that was glorious, this treasure of his new identity in Christ, this treasure of having been set free in Jesus Christ, this treasure of having been incorporated into Jesus Christ and, and knowing that you're seated in heavenly places and that, and that, that that's, you're, you're forgiven and you're holy and blameless, this new nature that you have in Jesus Christ. That, that was the treasure there. And he says, because of that treasure, uh, we don't worry too much about this wasting away stuff. Because of this treasure, this eternal treasure that he has within him, um, uh, he, he could look at his afflictions, which by human standards were, were, were really nasty and bad and terrible. People get really depressed over a whole lot less than what he went through. But he looks at all this and he goes, ah, they're light and they're momentary. <laughs> no big deal. In fact, the, 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 the suffering he's going through and the trials that he goes through, he says, these are helping me to e prepare me, equip me for this, this eternal weight of glory that, that it's beyond all measure. It's beyond all measure. You can't measure it. You can't, you can't contain it. You can't conceive of it. It's beyond anything you can imagine. And, and, and in light of that, knowing that, having that treasure inside, he wasn't too worried about this wasting away that's going on. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got that same treasure inside of you, amen? Same treasures in you. The same eternality. So what it means, folks, is we, if you're a kingdom person, you're living in two realms at the same time. You're living in the wasting away realm, but you're also living in the treasure realm. You've got the treasure inside the wasting away realm. And, and so when we ask the question, what are we supposed to retain and renew? And what are we supposed to let go of? And what are we supposed to uh, add on? We do it with a different goal, and we're heading in a totally different direction. We're not heading in the direction of the wasting away world, which is true of all physical reality. Uh, we're heading in the direction of the eternal life world. The, the, and, and the goal of asking these questions is to ask what is consistent with this treasure, to bring every aspect of our life, our thinking, our behavior, our attitudes, our feelings, to bring it all in line with this treasure in order to manifest more of this treasure. And so we, we ask the question, what are we supposed to retain and renew because it, it, it's, it's consistent with that treasure and it helps manifest that treasure. And what are we supposed to let go of because it's not consistent with that treasure and it, and it conceals that treasure. And what are we supposed to add that would help us manifest more of this treasure and that would help us bring, be more in line with this treasure. So that's the goal of this whole thing. And now finally, you know where I'm going with all this. So I'm gonna ask these three questions and just kind of reflect on this. And maybe give some examples of, of things that you might uh, uh, hold on to and let go of and add on as, as we go through this process. So, look back on 2018 and ask the question, what do you need to retain and renew? Now first, note that I add on to retain the word renew. Because it's not just about retaining something. You, you are a river. You're always changing. And the world all around you is always changing. Your experiences are changing. Um, you're going to be a little bit different in 2019 than you were in 2018, and hopefully, hopefully you'll be different for the better, not for the worse. But you will be different. And see, when we just keep on repeating something the same way, it can be a great discipline that you're involved in. But if we just keep on, 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 on repeating it the same way, well, you're, it's actually changing because you're changing, and so your relationship to that thing will be changing. Uh, Practices lose their life-giving power when we just repeat them. They become habitual. Uh, they can become stale and stagnant. And so looking back on the things that were good and, and life-giving and things that you did that really made a difference, it's good to hold on to those, but not just hold on to those. You've got to breathe new life into them. This life is a river, and so there's always got to be newness being breathed into things. The minute you start just to coast on something, it starts to die. 
there's always got to be newness, breathing the new, new life into things. And, and what you hold on to and what you renew is going to be different for each one of us, right? But, um, and so you, you just got to go to the Lord with that and let's ask the Spirit to show you and maybe have community around you to help you discern what was working and what wasn't working. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to share just briefly two disciplines that are a staple of the kingdom life. And maybe you've practiced these disciplines in 2018, uh, or maybe this is the first time you're hearing about them. But even if you have practiced these before, I'm going to ask us to recommit to them and to recommit to, to engaging in them in new ways with a new kind of openness. So the first discipline, which I bring up quite a bit because it's foundational to absolutely everything in the kingdom. The first discipline is simply making time regularly to spend with Jesus. It's that simple. Resting in the presence of God. Making time to just enjoy Jesus enjoying you. Because, see, this is the center of everything. This is, this is what gives us life. Um, it, it's great to believe that your worth and identity and, and security and, and sense of, of significance is anchored in Jesus. That's great. You need to believe that. But you also need to experience that. To experience the fullness of life that you have from Christ. It's only to the degree that we're getting, actually experiencing our fullness of life and our identity and our security and, and, and the, our significance in, in our, out of our relation with Jesus. Only to that degree can we be free from trying to get it from all the other sources around us. To be free means that you're, everything that's important about you, at the core of your being, is settled, permanently settled in Jesus Christ. That's the treasure that Paul's talking about. Uh, and so I, I encourage us to make time where you, you just go, have time alone with, 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 with Jesus and, and uh, you surrender your imagination to the Lord. And sometimes it helps to have soft music in the background because music is a gift from God that opens us up and kind of gets creative juices flowing. And then ask the Spirit to show you Jesus because that's his job. Jesus says that. John, John 14 through 16, he points to, to Jesus. He brings us to the real Jesus. And, uh, and do that with a new sort of openness. Even if you've practiced this throughout your life, do it with a new sense of openness. Letting the Spirit take you wherever He wants to take you. Because the Spirit can take you in the most unexpected, beautiful places. Um, you know, I, I, I said this several weeks ago, but I wonder how much, we are, how much of healing is prevented in our life and how much of a, of a deep relationship is hindered in our life because we have a stereotyped God. We, we, we lock God in. You're only this. And uh, I've just, in the last several months, as I've shared in the pulpit here, just been, uh, had a new amazement at the, this, the, the creativity of the Spirit uh, and to, oh, to reveal new things about God. Now, it's always going to have, God always, always has the character of Jesus Christ, especially Jesus Christ crucified. So if you're ever imagining God in a way that's not consistent with that, that's just your imagination. Calmly set it aside and ask the Spirit to show you the real Jesus, the Jesus was re revealed in the gospel. But folks, it will take an eternity to mind the beauty of God. Uh, and, and, and so it's an adventure that we're supposed to be on right now. Uh, Gregory Anissa had this beautiful uh, uh, idea of heaven. Uh, he's a 5th century theologian. And he says this, that God's beauty and, and God's, God's love is infinite. And we are finite. And our capacity to understand that is finite. And so what eternity will be, since a finite point can never traverse an infinite point, an infinite line, throughout all eternity will be, it will be an adventure of discovering ever new, ever deeper, ever more beautiful aspects of God's love. The full, infinite, uncontainable, immeasurable beauty of God. Uh, I, 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 that's a view of heaven. Most people's conception of heaven, at least the way it's portrayed in songs and stuff, bores me to death. And it makes me like... <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I experienced boredom as a form of pain, so sitting on a cloud with a harp wearing diapers just doesn't do it for me. 
But man, the idea of this adventure and, and, and discovering God's love and beauty in ways that we hadn't conceived. But see, that, that, that adventure starts now. And so, so ne- never just think you've got it down. Uh, always be open to the Spirit revealing new dimensions of God's love for you. I, I, I shared a couple of weeks ago how, how at a young age in a Pentecostal church at the age of 23, the Lord really revealed to me uh, some of her beauty and, and the feminine side of God because uh, that's what I needed. That, that, that's, that was, uh, uh, that's been the most healing thing in my life is, is relating to God's feminine side, God's motherly love. And uh, uh, that's not something I would have come up with on my own, but the Spirit, and see, that's legitimate because the truth is that women are as much made in the image of God as men are, which means God is as feminine as God is masculine, and we got to deal with that, right? And, and see, that's been the most healing thing in my life, but I wonder how much, who else maybe doesn't experience that healing because they just have never been open to that, conceiving of God in, in, in feminine ways. Um, and so just be open to the Spirit taking you wherever he wants to take you. The God he brings you to will always have the character of Jesus Christ crucified. Always have, but within that, there is infinite possibilities. And always be on an adventure, discovering your love for God. The same holds true for married couples, but that's for a different sermon. Okay, the second discipline I want to just mention here that I think is a staple is, is it's called practicing the presence of God. Because here's the thing, and that discipline is just about trying to remain aware, whatever else you're aware of, whatever else is going on, try to remain aware that God is with you. God, I, I'm always swimming in a sea of God's perfect love right now. And if I can remember that, whatever else, whatever else I'm doing, preaching in this case, um, oh, that's the discipline. Because here's the thing. We surrender our life to Jesus when we become a follower of Jesus, Right? But the life that we surrender is nothing more than a series of present moments. The only, the only real life you have is right now. The past is theoretical. The future is theoretical. The actual life, the concrete life that you have is moment by moment. But what, is, what often happens is we surrender our life to God, but we don't surrender the moments of our life to God. But that just means we theoretically surrender our life to God, but we don't actually surrender it to God. The only life you can actually surrender is this moment. And that requires you being aware of the presence of God and yielded to God. So it's about cultivating an attitude of surrenderedness, yieldness, as you're going about your life. It's the easiest thing in the world to understand. It's the hardest thing to do. Because our brain so operates on autopilot that we, and we're so secularized, we're conditioned just to pay attention to this physical realm. And, and so what happens is that... that we, we believe in God and we believe in Jesus, but we live like functional atheists most of the time because our awareness is, for all intents and purposes, atheistic. If God's not a part of our awareness, well then, that moment is an atheistic moment. Literally, God's not there. Though God is there, and becoming aware of God being there and remembering that God is there just makes your perception of the world more accurate. The truth is, Jesus is in this room, right? God is in this room. The Spirit of God is in this room. And so by being aware of that, You've just brought your, 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 your consciousness into alignment with reality. I encourage us to practice this because the truth is all the good stuff happens in the now because everything is actually in the now. The now is all there is. This, this, this second here. And there's newness to it. Something, we just dropped off something, we just added on something, and we had to uh, re, re, renew something. But this is, this is, this is true reality. 
So it's only in the now that you can really be a theist. It's only in the now that you can be uh, hearing the, the Spirit. It's only in the now that you can love people. It's only in the now that you can see people as part of this new creation. It's only in the now that you can notice the person over there and, and feel the sense of the Spirit saying, I want you to go over there and give them $10 or say hi to them or whatever. Uh, it requires being attentive to the now. And so I encourage us to, to uh, be cultivating that. It's the kind of thing where if, if you're trying this for the first time, in fact, even if you've been doing it for years, you constantly need reminders because we're so secularized. Uh, it helps to do this with other people so you can be encouraging one another. Are, are, are you staying present? Are you really here? It's only in the now that we see the newness of the moment. Um, otherwise, if you're living in the past or living in the future, uh, we, look, we, we look at the world through tired eyes, through habitual eyes. Uh, we're not fully awake. We're half sleepwalking. And, and, and so we, we don't see the beauty of, of the particular people in front of us. It's only when you're, when you're remaining aware that you can really appreciate the full beauty of your spouse or the sunset or your child. Or, or, and, and it just wells up your heart with gratitude as you're fully awake. And, and just experiencing the world in this waking state, that's when you begin to really see all that you need to see. And it fills your heart with joy and gratitude uh, for the things that God has done for you and for the God who's all around you. It also just, oh, it just helps in so many other ways, keeping you calm, keeping you present, keeping you walking out your, your kingdom walk. So the two disciplines are make time to spend with Jesus and try to integrate a kingdom awareness into every awareness of your life. Uh, the whole idea is to integrate the kingdom. So the kingdom is anything but a Sunday morning experience. It's, it's supposed to be an every moment experience. We want to in integrate awareness of the king and a yieldness to the king into everything that we are due. So what should you hang on to and renew? Well, I can't answer that for you. You'll have to uh, go to the Spirit on that one. But these two disciplines, I encourage us to, with a renewed commitment to it, and to, with a new openness to it, to make these part of our everyday lives. So then what are we supposed to let go of? Yeah, retain some things, and you've got to let go of some things. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupted and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Paul mentions things like this a number of times in his epistles, that there's a process of letting go that we're, we're to be a part of. And what we want to let go of is everything that is not consistent with that treasure. And now our life is a river. And so, so what you're supposed to let go of in this moment might be different than what will be a year ago. You'll find that um, if you're paying attention, it can happen that God's totally fine with you having this thing as a part of your life for years and years and years, but then all of a sudden, the Spirit says, okay, now it's time to let that go. And you might be thinking, gosh, why should I let that go? You've never had a problem with that before. And, and the answer might be, well, because you weren't ready for it, but now you are. I get ready for it. And so be open to the Lord always in a new way, open to revealing things about you that you need to let go. Maybe you've always had that habit, but now's the time to let that habit go. This is not consistent with the kingdom. Let it go. Uh, maybe the way that you speak, um, the gossip tendency you have, or the little lies that you tell. You had never felt much conviction about that before, but now the Spirit is saying, let that go. 
because you've got to grow. You're supposed to always be growing, so there's always going to be new things that you let go and new things that you add on and new things that you renew. Your life is a river, and so be open to that. Maybe the, the your alcohol drinking or the drugs, it's time to let that go. The attitude, the unloving attitudes, the unforgiveness that you've had in your life. Uh, maybe you didn't even notice it before, but now all of a sudden you're aware of it, and it's time to let that go. Maybe it's something that's not even... Obviously sinful. It could be something that's good. It's just that your relationship to the thing is not good. Maybe you had no problem with this last year, but this year the Lord says, I want to work on that. You know, you've always thought you, you put too much importance on your appearance. Or you put too much value. You're getting too much life from what you own. Or the recognition that you get. Or the achievements that you have. And you've never felt conviction about that. You never even noticed that it was that important to you. But now the Spirit reveals that to you. And it's time to let that go. In fact, sometimes what we got to let go of is good stuff. But the life is a river. And just because it was good last year doesn't mean that you're supposed to be having it this year. Um, you know, yeah, you've always been part of this Bible study. And that's wonderful. And it used to be so life-giving. It seemed like it was so... But now you're just doing it. Because you know, you're supposed to do a Bible study. And, and pay attention to this. Look, at there was a time and a season for that, but your life is a river. Things move on. And if we just keep on doing things because we just keep on doing things, it just becomes habitual. Um, well, then, not only is that going to get stagnant on you, but there's other things perhaps that you could be doing that would be life-giving. In fact, I'm sure there is, because whenever you let go, God's going to say, okay, now add on. Uh, that's the whole process of the river moving forward. And so pay attention. Ask the Spirit to be honest with. Are, are, are you supposed to keep on doing this? In this river that is our reality, uh, there's a season for everything. And there's a season to start a ministry, and often there's a season to end that ministry. And it doesn't mean, some people think, like, well, if you end it, well, then that means it was a failure. No! It doesn't mean it was a failure at all. It just means that it wasn't eternal. <laughs> it had a purpose, it had a time, it had a season, and now it's time to come to an end. All things do that, and, and so we have to be paying attention. Otherwise, we carry a bunch of baggage that, 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 that hinders us and limits our potential and limits our growth. What are you supposed to retain and renew? What are you supposed to let go? And then finally, third, what are you supposed to add? What are you supposed to add? And this one can be the most challenging, especially for older folks. Because us older folks get habitual, don't we? I've never done that before. I feel like doing it now. I do it. We get curmudgeon. And, and, and we, 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 we tend to choose the path of least resistance, which is always to keep doing what you've been doing. It's so easy. It's also the road to death. Uh, look at folks, life is a river, not a pond. And, and, and when you treat it like a pond, a pond is the same old, same old. Uh, there's no water pushing back its riverbanks. It's just there. Um, and, and if we just, if you're, if you're treating your life as a pond, when in fact reality is a river, what does that, where, where does that put you? It puts you at odds with reality. And another word for that is you're heading towards death. Now, we're going we're gonna to waste away physically, for sure. I mean, that's, that's fine. But our inner man, Paul says, the inner person is to be renewed all the time. And that's as true as, that should be as true as you're taking your last breath as it is right this very moment. There's always this process of renewal. Why? Because the treasure that's renewing us is, is eternal. It never ends. And, and, and so that adventure never ends. And so we, we need to cultivate an attitude. As we go into 2019, I, I, I pray that ask the Spirit to give you, if you don't already have it, a hunger Never stop being hungry for more. Never stop being curious. 
Never stop yearning for more because however much you know of God, there's more to know. However deep God's grown your character, it, it, still, it can still go deeper. There's always to be growth. If Gregory Nitz is right, we'll be doing this throughout eternity. And I'm quite sure he's right. It's an adventure. And so stay curious, stay hungry. What new thing as, does the Lord want to add onto your life? And, and, and that's where it gets good. I mean, if you keep doing the same old, same old, you, you know, same input, you get the same output. That's not growth. Life's about newness. There's always got to be new. Some folks have, I've got a number of testimonies, a remarkable number of testimonies of people who, after I shared this, uh, my relationship with the motherhood of God, uh, they've tried that in their own imaginative prayer times. And, and some of the, the testimonies are beautiful about how uh, this envisioning God, imagining God concretely as, as feminine, has deepened an aspect of their love for God. It's brought he- more healing into their life. Um, and, and see, that they, they all say, you felt kind of weird at first. Because, of course, any new thing you do is going to feel weird. And the older you get, the weirder it feels. Uh, that's just because your neural nets have been shaped in a particular way, and now you're actually doing new neural nets, which, which, by the way, the older you get, the more important that is to do, to be learning new things and growing new things. Uh, and it feels weird, but press through that weirdness and you discover beauty, and you discover joy. Be open to that. Be open to that. Uh, some other folks have, have, have given me testimonies about, several weeks ago, I, I, I talked about the, the I think the, the necessity, but certainly the beauty of envisioning heaven on a regular basis. I do it at least once a week. I take a trip to heaven. And, and that simply is to say, I envision the world as, or a scene or an environment that is as beautiful as I can possibly imagine it. And this is the eternal kingdom. And, and uh, the Spirit's very creative on, on how that might look. But I know this, however beautiful I imagine it, it's going to be infinitely more beautiful than that. Because Paul just told us that the glory can't be measured. It's immeasurable, and it's eternal. It's uncontainable. It's indescribable. And so I just let that be an indication that you're going in the right direction. But the te- people have testified that as they've done that, it's only when you envision something concretely in your imagination that your brain registers it as real. Otherwise, it's a theoretical belief. And so as they're experiencing this reality of heaven, that's the ultimate vision of our life. That's our ultimate destiny. And envisioning that changes how you live in the present. Because you're living on the way there. And envisioning that, the more beautiful that is, and the more the sense of eternal that you can get on that, the smaller all your problems feel. If your problems feel overwhelming, it might be because you're living in a finite narrative that ends with death, in terms of what you imagine for your life. You stretch that out to eternity, and against eternity, every problem, however big, feels microscopically small. That's why Paul could say, oh, these sufferings, they're momentary, they're light, they're kind of no big deal. Because he lived in this long narrative and it was real to him. So try that, things like that. Be involved in, in, in new endeavors. Consider, just because you always prayed this way doesn't mean you have to keep on praying this way. Maybe mix it up a little bit, try something different. Some people find that they pray much better when they are walking than when they're sitting down or kneeling. When they're sitting down or kneeling, they tend to fall asleep. When they're walking, it keeps them awake. Uh, think about it. Try praying with music in the background. Some people find that to be very helpful. Maybe you won't find it to be helpful, but you'll never know until you try. Some folks, since we did that Lectio Divina reading a couple months ago, have been, have been doing that. You can get it right online. It's a traditional way of praying and uh, have found it to be really life-giving. Others find it to be boring. It's all a get-out, but you won't know until you try. Experiment with that. Maybe this year you need to go on a retreat. No, you've never gone on a retreat before. You know, well, why should you start now? Well, because you've never done it before. <laughs> it's a good argument right there. Maybe you want to attend a conference this, this year. 
Uh, mix it up. Do something different. Maybe if you're really plateaued, you haven't grown for a year or two, check out getting a spiritual director. Some people find that to be very, uh, very valuable. Have you ever tried going on a mission trip? Have you ever thought about getting involved in a new ministry? Maybe you want to take a Wednesday night class. Maybe you want to fast from social media for a day or a week. Some folks are finding that to be very, it's like detoxing, one person described it. We're, we're, we're inebriated with social media. That's why we're, we're, like, we're addicted. We just got to always be watching it and whatever. That just to get free of that, uh, you, you might find that you hear God a lot better after you've done that. Uh, you might find that you're more in tune with what the Spirit's doing. Just ideas here, consider doing some new things. Maybe there's a new ministry that you're supposed to be involved in. Uh, maybe the old ministry that you were, have been in for the last 13 years and it's so easy for you to do, you can do it in your sleep. Uh, that's no longer giving life. It's no, it, it's, there's not a yes there of the Spirit there, but there will be over here. Be open to the new. Be adventurous. Explore. Try new things. Keep on growing. Always stay hungry. Always stay curious. And this applies to every area of our life, actually. Married couples, I'll just say this. I'm thir- I've been married 39 years. 39 and a half, going on 40. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to clap. Shelly knows how lucky she is. It's fine. But you know, I, I can tell you, it, it's so easy to fall into the same old, same old, same old, isn't it? You, just, you have these routines. And, and routines are fine if they're life-giving and if you're renewing them. But they so easily become ruts. And um, you fall asleep. And you're not really there. You're not really attentive. You're not, it's, 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 you've stopped growing in relationship to one another, try new things, invite new things into your life. And I'm not just talking about your sex life, though it certainly would apply there. And someone just nudged their spouse saying, yeah, that's not to be the same old. You've got to keep the adventure, you know, surprise somebody or whatever. Um, and and it, but it applies to other areas as well. Shelly and I, this, this last year, we, we've never been a card-playing couple or a game-playing couple. You know, it just, that just wasn't us. But we thought we'd try that. And man, it's a blast. We're playing games, cribbage. I'm a, I'm a nasty cribbage player. I can, I can. And, and uh, I, I never thought that, I, that that was ever part of my life, but it's, it's just been a, brought a new element there. It's fun, new interaction and all that kind of stuff. And so, so just keep your mind open. The Spirit is infinitely creative in, what, in terms of what you're supposed to add. Um, let, him, let him direct you. Uh, yield to that. And be daring. And just because you haven't ever done it before, and it will feel kind of inconvenient, and it kind of feels awkward, it kind of feels weird, don't ever let that stop you. Whatever reasons for saying no to something, don't let its newness stop you, <laughs> or the fear of it, or the reservations, the awkwardness of it stop you. Uh, boldly go where the Spirit leads to go, because your life is a river. Make sure that river is flowing in the right direction, and that will always involve, that will always involve uh, renewing some things from the past, breathing new life into them, holding on to them, breathing new life into them. It will always involve letting go of some stuff, and it will always involve adding on to some stuff. Let the river flow, let the river flow. Uh, uh, one final word, and that is that, uh, that insert that you have there. Uh, I would encourage you to, to, like, for this week, make it a plan. This is your week of discernment. And, and as you're trying to walk present, you know, aware of God's presence. See, that's when God shows up. You've got to be present for God to show up in the present. And if you're aware of him, you'll see a lot more of God going on around you than you would be if you're, going, if you're walking half asleep. And so write those things down and, and I encourage you to hashtag so we can encourage one another on these things. What did you find life-giving? Where did God show up? Uh, you let go of something and, and how did that impact you? You tried something new. How did that impact you? Uh, let's talk to each other about the ways, the many multiple creative ways that God shows up when we are actually living as the river that God created us to be. Holding on, re- renewing, letting go, and adding on as the Spirit leads us. Would you stand?
Uh, the, there will be a prayer teams will be up here at the altar. I like to call them forward right now, or at least prayer people. Sometimes they're teams, sometimes they're not. Uh, but uh, if you're here this morning and could use anything, use prayer on anything, whatever the matter may be, I encourage you to come up here and pray with these folks. They'd love to minister to you. And if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, I would encourage you to consider that. And if there's something pulling on your heart about that, come up here and talk to these folks and they'd be glad to explain to you what it is to live out the, the Christ life. So folks, I won't see you for a year, but uh, as we leave here, can we do it as a river that's flowing under the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit? Walk in obedience to him and walk aware of him. If you're in agreement with that, say amen and go out and love your neighbors. God bless you. See you next year.